following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College football week two edition. Wise Guy Roundtable. We've got Brad Powers, Ken Thompson. I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, the feedback from week one was awesome, wonderful. I told you it'd be a debate about who knows more with these guys. They both know a ton. We're here to share that with you on the Dream Preview, give you a better chance at winning this week at the very end of the pod. Best bets from Ken Thompson and Brad Powers. Additionally, we're going to be breaking down the very biggest games of the week. We always start with the power ratings. The power ratings is the start of a handicap. You have to have a sense of how good a team is, then how good the opponent is, then you consider matchups, travel, other situations. But the beginning point is how good a team is. And we're going to start with Brad disagreeing with the Associated Press poll. Now, I love the AP. We are the official odds provider, pregame.com, of the AP. But, hey, facts are facts. Right now, looking at Auburn, who plays a big game on ESPN at Clemson, 7 o'clock. Auburn in the Associated Press poll, number 13. Brad, you've got them ranked number... 7 in the country. So you believe they're underrated by the popularity polls, like AP. Make your case. Well, I, I can make the case by this week's line at Clemson, the team that's ranked number three in the AP poll. Despite the fact that game is on the road, it's at night, it's one of the most hostile environments in all of college football, Auburn only finds themselves maybe around a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite. So that basically means if you're going to give Clemson above uh, average as far as the home field advantage goes, and normal home field advantage in college football is around three, for me it's four-and-a-half, five for Clemson, Death Valley at night. That basically. Me- so how different is it at night? Let's. I know LSU is famous, and Ken, you can jump in if you have opinions on this. How different is Clemson at night? Uh, an extra point for me. Ken, I can't disagree with that. I think that you know the fans have all day to get riled up and ready for the game, and it's just a lot louder. It just seems that way, and the environment just seems to be that much more of a home field advantage. Okay, so what you're telling us then is that the betting market for this week's games is saying these are pretty much even teams. They are, despite the fact you have 10 spots different in the AP poll. Okay, interesting. So let's get into the game handicap itself. Ken, what do you think is the number one factor? Well, the number one factor for me is just checking on Kerryon Johnson, who had 136 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries against Georgia Southern. Is he going to be able to go? Now, the good thing for Clemson is, or for Auburn, I should say, is they get Cam Petway back. He was suspended for the first game. So either way, they're going to be okay running back-wise. But if they have both those guys, that dual threat, that really gives Auburn a chance to keep each one of those guys healthy and fresh and be able to attack Clemson with the running game, which is key for them to win this game. In Death Valley. So one of the factors we'll be doing near the end of the podcast is hidden factors, as in this is a key factor in a given game, but the mainstream media is not talking about it enough. Your key factor is injuries, Ken, 
non-quarterback injuries. Everyone talks about the quarterback injuries. How do you see it affecting this Auburn game? Well, I do see it affecting it if, if uh, Johnson can't go. I just think then all the pressure becomes on Petway. Again, he's not going to be familiar with the timing of game one because he didn't play in game one. And going on the road at night, hostile environment, a lot of times snap counts, all these different things, timing could be off, could be key. So do you agree that's a key factor, Brad? It is because uh, you can't put a, a rating on having a one-two punch at running back, especially when Auburn wants to get their well, guys. Hold on a second. If you can't put a rating on it, we're in trouble. That's what well, we have to do. The, the importance of it, I guess it's understated is what I'm saying, okay. the, the importance. Like, you know, LSU, having a guy like Fournette, but then, you know, coming with a Darius Geis, especially late in the co- uh, third quarter when guys' legs are tired. So I completely agree with you. It's a big factor. Uh, my number one factor as far as the game. Backing up a second. Yeah. So – I love when there's systemic mispricing. I think center in the NFL is one that we've talked about for 10-plus years. Is Centers are so important. They're calling the, line, the blocking assignments. You have a center out. It will often move the line a half a point, though a lot of fans haven't even heard the name of the center before. You're saying when there's a backup quarterback, or check that, a backup running back, there's a sense of, oh, well, We've got two. Well, we only got one this game. No big deal. You're saying typically the market undervalues if that one two punch, if one of them is out. And thus, we want to look to play against those teams. Absolutely, you want to play against some teams because a lot of those guys get their yards for the fact that they're going up against, they have fresh legs and they're going up against tired defense, especially early in the season when these guys, you see it the first couple games of the season, all these guys coming up with cramps later in the game. Uh, they're just not in game-ready shape, a lot of these teams, at RJ, this point in the season. Yeah, and RJ, I, I mean, the reason I loved Western Michigan against USC in Week 1, Bogan and Franklin, that one-two punch. If there was only one of those two guys coming back and they also lost quarterback Terrell, I would not have been on Washington, uh, Western Michigan. But because they had that one-two tandem and they were able to go with a fresh back time and time again of U- against USC's defense, I mean, they thrashed him. They ran for over 270 yards or whatever. I got to be honest, as an NFL guy, I would have never thought to emphasize. I would think, oh, well, there's you know one of the two. It'd be nice to have both. Very insightful. Okay, so Brad, Auburn Clemson still, what's your number one factor in the game? Well, to me, it's whatever quarterback doesn't make the big mistake here. Two relatively inexperienced guys, even though they're junior quarterbacks, you look at Stidham for Auburn, only he's got five starts in his career. Kelly Bryant, despite being a junior, just started his first game against Clemson. And I'm going to tell you guys, Kent State, I know he looked good against Kent State, but Auburn has a top 10 legitimate defense. And those plays that he made last week, I don't think are going to be there. But I think it's overall what quarterback can avoid the, the catastrophic play. In the end, that'll be the team not only wins but covers. Okay, so you're telling me the team – whose quarterback doesn't make a mistake, will cover. So I think the team that scores more points is going to cover. So what is predictive? Help me understand amongst these. Or maybe you're saying we can't bet this game. I think if you know the biggest factor is something that's hard to predict, you might stay away, which I would be more than fine with. But assuming you're right that the big mistake from the inexperienced quarterback is going to dictate this game, who's more likely to make that mistake i think it's kelly bryant for clemson because they're going to rely on him and his surrounding cast isn't as strong 
as I think Auburn has. You look at what is why is everyone downgrading Clemson this year? It's because of the loss of their skill position talent. Wide receiver, they lost their top two wide receivers. They lost their top running back. They're going to rely on Bryant more for this particular game than Auburn is on Stidham, particularly if they do have those two running backs where you can hand it off to and they got their top three receivers back. So I think the game, as far as the importance of Clemson, they need Kelly Bryant to make a play or two. I'm saying it's the play that he doesn't make for the other team is what's going to decide it. Okay, so for, let's start with you, Brad, and we'll go to Ken. Force lean on this game, then. I'm passing. You can probably tell from my number one so factor. Not even a force lean, your response is, I'm not being forced, I'm passing. But is the line, is, is it even a half point off? Well, I, if you have a very over, or, well, I guess, the mar, I guess it's overrated or underrated by the AP, but not underrated by the market. So that wouldn't really drive it necessarily. So... I mean, what, is this line exactly right, or is there even a half no, point at? I, I would lean with Clemson. As much as I think Auburn's underrated, I also think Clemson is still underrated as far as the betting markets. Not in the AP poll at number three, but in the overall betting markets, I still think Clemson is a buy team. Force Lincoln. Forcely, if I know Kerryon Johnson is going and he's going to be healthy, I'll, I'll go with Auburn. I think the two backs and also reinstating uh, one of their top receivers from suspension is also key, and I'll take the points. And what's at, we're taping here on uh, late on Tuesday in Las Vegas. What's the prospect of the running back playing? Well, right now it says questionable hamstring. So again, do you, that's, think, the, do you think the line moves if he becomes probable? If he becomes probable, I, I think it may go a half point Auburn's way. Okay, and do you feel like that's not enough? Not, a, not enough for I mean, for me, if you give me both those guys, if you give me Petway and Johnson, I'm also getting Kyle Davis, solid wide receiver, back in the lineup. I think that's enough offense with the points that if you ask me for a lean. Again, this is one of those games that if, you, if he's questionable up until Friday as far as Johnson, then I'm going to watch. I'm going to get involved within running wagering. I'm going to get involved as the game's going because that's an advantage for me to see how this guy is. Sometimes, you know, we get these injury reports. We're going off paper i want to see how the guy is all right pregame.com the dream preview that's ken thompson brad powers i'm rj bell we keep going down with overrated underrated we've got ken he believes there's two major programs very highly rated that are overrated in brad's ratings remember brad puts those up at pregame.com every week also tweets him out at Brad Powers Seven, all one word on Twitter at Brad Powers Seven. So USC, you've got him where, Brad, on your power ratings? I got him number eight, which is actually lower than AP poll. Oh, so he's trying to he's trying to beg off. He's fearful. It looks like perhaps of Ken's attack. You think even at eight overrated USC? Make the case. This is a team that I've watched probably. Hundreds of games, USC. I mean, I've been an NSC fan for 45 years. Don't miss their games. And this team, I knew their defense was going to be shoddy at best. They're going to have a lot of trouble with Stanford and the big boys up front. Stanford returns four guys to the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the so ball. So backing up a second, Joe, is I'm very interested in the handicap on the USC's game. USC's defense is, is 
even though Cam Smith, their middle linebacker, who's their best player, was suspended for the first half against Western Michigan, even when he was in the second half, they still got gashed as far as the third quarter. And against a big boy team like Stanford or some of the big boy attacks like UCLA, Washington State, and Washington, who they're fortunate they don't play unless there's a Pac-12 championship game between them and the Huskies, USC is going to be in a lot of trouble. They're going to have to outscore teams. And based on how the offense started out with Sam Darnold, he didn't throw a touchdown. This is a guy that has so much pressure put on his back. He's the number one guy, Heisman ratings as far as odds. And the guy has no touchdowns, two interceptions. He's a good, solid quarterback. But with all that target on his back and on the SC back, I think this team is in trouble. I've seen it time and time again, RJ. When they start out as a team to beat, like they did number four in the polls, they end up being a team that loses early on at least once in the first four games. So you can think there's something institutional about a team that gets fat and happy. This USC team, give them a lot of love. They tend to lose a little intensity. I said last year after I watched the Penn State-USC game because it was a, it's the only standalone game on that holiday on January 1st. It's the only standalone game. It's the granddaddy of them all. And because you had a shootout between Penn State and USC, I said both these teams are going to be just put way up there as far as in the rankings because that's what people remember and they know that Darnold's coming back and they know that you know uh, the nucleus of Barkley and McSorley are coming back for Penn State. So I thought both these teams would be very high up there when I didn't agree with USC because they lost so many key players last year. All right, so Brad, start with a response to the idea or Ken's point about overrated and then segue into the game handicap against or hosting Stanford. I'm fine with my power rating at number eight right now. As far as this overall game being power rated, I got it at six, six and a half or seven. I'm sorry, guys. I, I just I have to keep backing this up. So I, I know you like your rating. That's why yeah. you have it. Ken made points. Can you counter those points? I can agree with a lot of his points. So you're I, saying that he's right what, about the idea that the defense is maybe problematic. You defense agree? is problematic when you're giving up 260 rushing yards to Western Michigan. That'll lead into my game handicap, why I think they're in trouble for this week against Stanford. I also agree with his institutional. I mean, I've got, I'll give you data to pack it up. The last 21 times they've entered the AP poll top 10, 15 times they finished outside the top 10. So it is a team. Wow, that's a good stat. Yeah, it is a team that does not handle uh, as far as preseason expectations well. Since Pete Carroll left. No question since Pete Carroll left. Okay, but even so, you like as you mentioned earlier, in the AP, USC is number six right now. And they actually dropped. So the AP dropped voters dropped, they dropped, dropped a couple spaces. of spots. Okay, so you say, hey, I think the AP's overrating them. Ken says, I think even you're overrating them. Let's get into the game. Well, even though I th- I'm going to stamp out with my power rating, yeah. the, the issue that I have in this game is the matchup. That Stanford power rush attack against USC's defense. If they had trouble... In a stopping Western Michigan's one-two punch, what are they going to do with Bryce Love? And a, a well-rested Stanford team that so had Love is a, team, a, a guy you had as a real long shot for the Heisman. I did, and I looked pretty good when he had 150 yards in one half. They're playing Rice, but it still looked good out of the gate. Is there anything that makes you – you're talking about looking good in the past tense. Do you still feel good about him as a long shot? Oh, very good. The problem is I think we did that prediction on uh, Colin Cowherd's podcast – and his pricing went from like a hundred to one to sixty to one. Still a big long shot, but hey, man, so if saying, I'm betting a hundred bucks. You just took four thousand dollars out of my pocket. Are you saying that Brad Powers is moving numbers? I would say maybe the reach that we had on Colin Cowherd's podcast probably helped 
move the numbers. And But the numbers aren't going to move unless your case was compelling. Well, the, the compelling case is the production of the Stanford running back position. They've averaged, their leading rusher the last nine years have averaged 1,400 yards. It doesn't matter if it's Stephon Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Toby Gerhardt, whoever is there, Tyler Gaffney, they get 1,400, 1,500 yards per season. All right, Ken, if you look at this game, and, and right now we've got USC, the money, and remember, guys, is week one, last week, you had months and months to bet the games, so there was usually drastic line moves or, or more times than not. Now in week two, uh, in some places there was look-aheads, but in general, the market opened Sunday night. USC's moved from being favored by four to six and a half, so the money has been on USC What's your game handicap? No, that's wrong. They didn't move from four to six and a half. Well, first of all, it's absolutely correct. But we've got the early, we've got the world opener. Okay, so uh, so it might have uh, been a situation. Be, okay, here's the thing. I played Stanford plus ten and a half at the Golden Nugget when their games of the year oh, came okay. out. Okay, okay, so, so I'm sorry. Be, no, no, no. That's okay. a great insight, though. Let's be clear about that. So I, that's why I didn't think it would drop. That I mean, it would start at four and go to six. So and the half. Golden Nugget is a book here in town. Tony Miller runs it. Does a great job, very ambitious, where they put out what? About 250 games? 200 games, yes. 200 games in, in late June, usually. And this year, there was another book at Beatham. I, I can't remember which one, but there was another book. And what happened, though, is, is still uh, the Golden Nugget came out with their numbers, and you can bet. What was the limit at the Nugget? Uh, a dime. And you bet how many games at the Nugget uh, the first day? Well, the Nugget was pretty good because they were after that one place opened up, so I only bet three. But at the original place that I thought were significantly off, I bet about a dozen. Okay, so great opportunities. It sounds like you got a nice ticket too, Ken. Great opportunities with those early numbers. But when we talk openers, we're going to talk about the week of the games and and sometimes it's bet online. You know, there's all kind of debate about what's the right opener, right? So bet online will open up. And you can only bet a nickel. Is that the world opener? Or do we wait for Chris to open up? Or slash bookmaker, you know, which is one of the biggest books in the world. I tend to just say, let's go with the world opener. But in this case, it was a move towards USC. Game handicap. Game handicap. It's, you got to be careful here, too, because Stanford's, a, again, like Brad said, if you base it on the Rice game, you get in a lot of trouble. Now, the thing is, they've had a lot of time to prepare. They had a bye week, you know, so they come back and they're focused in. They watch the USC Western Michigan game. They're dissecting that film. As soon as that game's over, they're able to be at luxury and just go over it while USC's trying to just recover from being fortunate enough to win with a very deceitful score, 49 31, in a game they trailed 28 21 early fourth quarter at home. So a big advantage for Stanford there. Again, you have uh, very sharp coaching staffs there. I mean, since Harbaugh handed the baton to Shaw, it does not matter. These guys, and Derek Mason, you see what he's doing at Vanderbilt, a defense coordinator that has taken over the Vandy program. And, and I'm telling you, the Stanford guys are going to be ready for this game. They they own the trenches. They beat an SC five of the last six games. So that's why when I saw 10.5 at the Golden Nugget, it made a lot of sense. Now, the one concern for me, Stanford-wise, is that USC has speed. Ronald Jones, but also the receivers. And if USC is able to get the, get the ball all out to their wideouts. I think they're they're going to be able to burn Stanford secondary. It's whether or not Darnold has time against a veteran defensive line for Stanford because Stanford brings back a lot of guys on both sides of the trenches, and that is key for me in a lot of my handicapping. Okay, so what's the pick? Uh, the the pick right now is I, I have Stanford plus ten and a half, and I think I got a <laughs> no, great number, and I'm not unless, touching. Unless it. you're going to open up 
for the podcast listeners to buy a piece of your ticket <laughs> at the current number, what do you like? And you said it's six and a half? Yes. I would take the uh, I would take the five point middle or four four point middle. I'll take USC. I think they win by a touchdown. Just, but if you were just blind, if you were naked, no first bat, would you you'd you'd lean towards the lay? No, I probably no. If I, if I did not know the first, if I did not have the ten and a half ticket, I probably would lean towards Stanford. All right, so lean and and guys, let's let's get the parlance straight. I think we go. Uh, I think we go slight lean where man, you're getting tugged. Lean. And then we'll go with clear. Uh, what, what do we want to say? We want to say uh, clear preference. We'll call right. it something better. And then, hey, I'm batting it. I, I hear you. Four levels, right? And, and RJ, RJ, that's why there's five or six games that I'll bet from the outset on a Saturday with a big slate. When there's probably 15 games that I get involved in, because nine or ten of those games I'm getting involved as the game's going. And, and again, in-game betting, or, or are you talking about in-game betting? Yes. And that's a wonderful thing, but the reality is most people don't do it. And I think if you're looking to really bet like a professional, you've got to learn more about it. Those listening out there, and for those who do benefit from it, but great. Then you're, yeah, but you're asking me which way I'd go. I'm just yeah, saying. As of right now. Right. I'm saying, I, I, in other words, if you gave me, if, if you said, here, you got $1,000 to bet on, on a game for Saturday, this would not be one that I bet from the get-go. No, understood. And that's why it would only be a lean. But if I told you, make a pick, and if you win, I give you a thousand. If you lose, not there's no consequence. Who it sounds like you would take Stanford yes, plus six and a half. That's so that yeah. would be. I'd the, buy it up to seven. The, the slightest. I'd buy Stanford lane. up to seven. Brett, I have a Stanford ticket plus doubles in, in early summer. I took them. Uh, Rogue seven was out there available on Monday. I took them. Clear lane for me. Matchup problem for USC. I would might even bite a little piece off on the money line. So borderline bet, which would be the high or up towards the highest level here. Excellent. All right, guys, and, and this is what we're trying to do, and I hope you see it, which is we are trying to find a way to convey. These guys got so much information. The question is how to get it to you in the most effective, actionable way within an hour, an hour's podcast, and we're working through it, and we're going to get there. And obviously, even last week, week one, wonderful stuff. Okay, next game, we've got the final team that Ken disagrees, you know, more than a little with Brad and his power ratings. Ken, you think Oklahoma is overrated right now. What do you've got them at, Brad? I got a number three team in the country. And you think not so high? Well, definitely definitely, with definitely a top 10 team. But I'm not a 56-7 win against UTEP at home does not catapult a team that lost their two starting running backs, their best receiver, and a bunch of good solid leaders on defense to go up to number three. And I, you'll see them. You know, if they go into the horseshoe and get pummeled like they did last year, you'll see them drop right out of the top ten. Okay, so well, maybe some, maybe out of the top ten on the AP. But let's say they. So right now, the line in this game opened up this week at seven. Ohio State is now seven and a half. So let's say that Ohio State wins by four. Now, on the AP, it's going to be a drastic move, right? Because it's all about losses. No, I don't think it will be a drastic move. If they go into Columbus and lose by four based on losing by double digits big time where they got throttled in Norman last year and you lose P. Ryan and Mixon and you go into the horseshoe 
and you hang within four, that's a win for the Big 12. That shows well, that I you're... I agree with that the true power. But th- this is such an important game for the Big 12, RJ, because of last year, because of Ohio State going into Norman and pummeling Oklahoma, that the whole Big 12, Oklahoma State included, they're rooting for OU to go in there and beat Ohio State. But worst case scenario, they need to stay within four or five points like you're talking about in order for the Big 12 to have any validity down the stretch when it comes down to picking those four teams because you're probably going to have the winner of the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game play again in the Big 12 championship. That's what I feel. You're going to have the, a double matchup, and unless one of them sweep, you need some help from outside the conference, basically, uh, for the Big 12 to show well outside the conference. So I think that's, it's the, the biggest game for the Big 12, not just for Oklahoma in general, this game. And I think the narrative about possibility of playoffs and all that, very interesting. But do you agree if Oklahoma loses by four – in the AP poll, they're going to have a significant drop. No, I don't. I haven't. Brad, have you? I get that. Should they lose be? by? If they lose, if they lose twenty-seven, twenty-three in Columbus, there's no way they're dropping more than two so, spots. So where are they at the AP right now? Uh, AP poll. I think they're sitting around five or six. I got so could read. could you inv- where where Oklahoma's you got? Oklahoma's at six. Uh, at five, they're sitting. So at you're five. saying that there's going to be a one-loss team at seven in week three, entering week three. Uh, I would have them dropping probably five or six spots. All right, right. two. I'll, 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 say, I'll say if they're four and one, that they're sitting and, and four and one, in. they'd be one and one. No, you said in week five. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is if they lost, if they okay. lost this week, right, right. they would drop pretty significantly. Okay, I, yeah, I, I don't think they would. If, if, right, and if they hang, with hopefully four we'll or find less, out as a Buckeye they hang fan. within four or less. <laughs> if they hang within four or less in the horse, that's like a team going to Alabama and losing by a field goal. You know, in other words, if Florida State went to Alabama and lost by a field goal, would they drop from number two to number eight? No, oh, I think for sure. I mean, I, I think I it's stupid, but I think that's what happens to the popularity poll. I mean, you very rarely will ever see, unless it, I would make the following case. Do we ever see a Power Five conference undefeated team ranked behind a, a one-loss team ever? Uh, it doesn't, very, very rarely. So, I mean, I think that all, they'd have to drop below every other power five. I mean, they might drop to – it'd be interesting. Let's actually yeah. see. You do when the season goes on because last year, that's what I'm saying about the Big 12. They have a reputation as a power five as being a prima donna, as just being an offensive conference that can only put up points, can't stop anybody. So that's why the one team with a reputation over the years, maybe two if you count TCU at times when Patterson had some good defenses, but the one team that's always been able to stop some of the other power five teams or hang in there or be in the same conversation with defensively has been Oklahoma and that's why it's important for them to show well Uh, I think we're in agreement on that one so Brad what's your handicap on the game Uh, first off power ratings I'm fine because it's got it right at where the current number is now I have issues with the game for Oklahoma here number one I got a coach in game number two against a guy that's won three national titles and is in game number 196 I also have an issue with Baker Mayfield when he plays elite defenses and I'm talking against Ohio State last year where he completed 53% of his passes he didn't have a single game last year where he completed less than 60% I take it back the year before the best defense he faced Clemson in the playoff semifinals. And we're talking about Baker Mayfield. The NCAA's career leader in pass efficiency has a 3-4 ratio in those two games. So how does he handle playing elite defenses? Ohio State's one of them. And if he gets pressured, which I think he will against that Ohio State defensive line, he cannot rely on D.D. Westbrook, P. Ryan Mixon coming out of the backfield. The Buckeyes are the lean for me here. Okay, so lean on the Buckeyes and 
Ken, I don't think we've gotten your lean on this one. Uh, where are you at? Um, this, again, this is a game I'm not going to bet. It's just not a game. There's too many other games on the board. I was not impressed with the way Ohio State played at Indiana. Okay, they're very fortunate to get a win there. It's another deceiving score if you watch the game, but I will give them credit. They came back, they found a way to get it done, and Dobbins is a lot better than anybody knew he was going to be. So JT was bailed out by JK as Dobbins had a big game, and Barrett once again showed to me that he is one of the most overrated players in the country. He had not one completion of more than eight yards. That's ridiculous. I mean, he, was, he, he didn't have any, any passes where on the other side of the ball, the guy, the kid Legal for Indiana had nine completions of more than 15 yards. I mean, it's, it's just Ohio State is relying on the whole team. They, they have the extra day's rest. If I had to play at Moneyline, I'd play Ohio State because they're in Columbus and, they're, and I, they have the extra day's rest. That's where I'm going. Okay, moving on to the next game. Louisville at North Carolina. And really, when you talk Louisville, Brad, it's Lamar Jackson. We've been talking about him all preseason, about how Heisman winners coming back tend to underperform, how they only once in history have actually won the Heisman a second time. And, and what school was that that the player won it at, RJ? The Ohio State University. Let's handicap this baby. First, let's start with Jackson last week. His stats look good. Yeah, they did. 485 total yards. He wasn't the problem They uh, that Purdue was in the game. Uh, and my main concern this year wasn't necessarily Jackson. I thought he would have a chip on his shoulder for how poorly he played in the last four games of last season. But the problem is he doesn't have anyone around him. Lost his top rusher, top three receivers. His offensive line ranked number 128 in the country as far as sacks allowed. It's going to be on him. And when you have two players fumbling on the one-yard line, that game looked a lot closer than what it actually was. For this particular game, I expect them to put up some big stats. North Carolina losing their defensive coordinator, Gene Chizik. And let's break North Carolina quickly. Horrible defensively uh, under Larry Fedora. They hire Gene Chizik. They're much improved. Gene Chizik decides to take a step away from football again this past offseason. And it was a bad look against an inexperienced Cal team last week. Lamar Jackson gets a lot of yards. But again, the problem with Louisville is that they're overpriced in the marketplace. Two and eight against the number their last 10 games. And I think they're a little overpriced here, laying nearly double digits. Okay. So among on our spectrum of leans and such, where are you putting your North Carolina? And right now, plus nine and a half with North Carolina. This game opened up Louisville favored by five and a half. So a four point move in Louisville, Louisville's favor. We talk about it all the time, football sexy, and obviously Lamar Jackson is football sexy. People, betters, recreational betters love offense. Where's this at for you as a pick? Lean North Carolina plus nine and a half. So more than a slight lean, less than a clear preference. Yes. Ken? You know what? I'm, I'll tell you what. The way North Carolina played in the second half against Cal, I can't take them. You know, I, I know nine and a half looks good. You buy it up to ten, you feel okay for a while till Louisville scores that first touchdown. But <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, Lamar Jackson by far the best athlete. When you look at the guys that Carolina lost, you know, from that receiving quartet last year. I mean, you got Prol, and that's it. Back. It's just not a team right now that I want to put my money on. The line movement will have me stay away from this game. But if I had gotten it early and I did not, I would probably have taken Louisville. Okay, so at the current number. It's at nine and a half? Yes. Yeah, you know what? If I, <laughs> it's almost like we tricked him with yeah. this That's question. okay. That's all right. If, 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 a, a, a slight lean 
to Louisville still. Speed factor. All right. Next game. And moving on, we are talking. Let's see here. Oh, best bet in that one. By the way, that's coming up in a, not too long. And then here we've got. All right. Let's go inside the box score. Georgia, Notre Dame. In addition to this one, Brad, we've got a big old stat in this game. And let's start with that stat because it blows my mind. Why don't you give it? You you came up with, or I think it's been around, but you're the one that brought it to my attention. Yeah, Georgia is playing their first game north of the Mason-Dixon line since 1965. I, bet, I think that was Vince Dooley's second season. They played a game at Michigan, so... My third grade math is right. 52 years they haven't played up north. And the excitement is there for Georgia because their fan base, and here's a hidden factor for the game, I think they're going to have at least 20,000 fans in the stands. Very excited fan base making their first trip north. An unbelievable stat. So you actually would – one of the things we want to do is put these stats under the microscope. You would actually have that stat be an advantage to Georgia? I oh I disagree, but go ahead. Well, I mean, what it's it would be a disadvantage if it was in the month of November and they're not used to playing in the cold. But I mean, the temperature in South Bend at night is going to be in the seventies, and I mean, if you not used, you're not used to that. I mean, <laughs> this isn't. I the think ni- the disadvantage is being outside of your element. I think Southern. I, and again, all you can do is go by cliches in a way because we can, we're not assessing each individual how he's going to handle being up north. But one of my favorite stories is about a guy that used to coach. He coached at LSU a long time, and he co- he was at the University of Houston, though, before that. And I knew my best buddy was at Houston, and I knew this fellow, nice guy. He was as Southern as Southern could be. And they offered him the D.C. job at Cincinnati. And he was calling everyone he knows, like, what do you think? What do you think? And he was a D-backs coach at Houston, right? So clear upgrade. And he said, I tell you, he goes, I was up north one time for a year and I just did not like it. It's like, where'd you coach? You know, where'd you coach up north? He goes, Arkansas. So (laughs) (laughs) the people in Texas think Arkansas is up north. Well, this is up north. So, I mean, it's almost like I remember the same buddy actually was on Kansas State as a player when they played. I still remember this game. They played in Japan. Against Nebraska, Brad. This is a little before your time. This might have been 89 or 90. And it was back before the internet. And there was the score phones. And I was I was a sick puppy, man. I was up at like, it was like 4.30 Eastern. The game <laughs> kicked. So I've got money on it. And I'm calling the score phone. They Give them credit. They actually had a guy doing the updates on the one game. But I, I just feel like it's a big X factor that these Southern boys are going to look around and just not be sure where they are. And, and, and maybe it's nothing, but I don't see how it's a positive. And are you telling me that Georgia people are going to get into Notre Dame? That means Notre Dame's selling tickets. Oh, and they do. They've done it in the past. They've done it in the past as in the hardcore Irish fans. Was, oh, yeah. Well, listen, let, let's stop. Let, let's just ask a specific question. Is Notre Dame known to let people buy into their stadium. They've done it in the past multiple times. No question. <laughs> Nebraska 2000, there was 35,000 Nebraska fans in the stands. A unique trip trip for a fan base that had not made a trip to South Bend or up north or outside the Big 12, the Southwest, in 40 or 50 years. Very similar circumstances. And I'll tell you this. This, to me, 
guys, is what makes sports betting so interesting. I came in thinking, wow, fish out of water, negative. Brad, who certainly knows college basketball or football and basketball better than I do, he's saying, hey, maybe a chance for a takeover. And hmm, I think it's interesting. And maybe it's both and it evens out. You know, maybe the players end up being a little out of sorts, and but the fan base is there. So it's going to be fascinating to see. Ken, what's your number one factor in this game? Well, the number one factor is you, you look at Notre Dame go up and down the field with Wimbush, his first game at quarterback. They rush for over 400 yards against Temple, but that's Temple. Now you're going against a Georgia defense that brings 10 starters back. You're still missing Parrish in the secondary, so you have nine guys back from last year's defense. This is a good, solid defense. Remember, their coach is a defensive-minded guy, Kirby Smart. This is what he preaches. He's going to try and shut down that running game, and that in it. In, in itself is going to be something that gives Georgia time to figure out the quarterback situation because their starter, Jacob Eason, is out. But Jake Fromm stepped in nicely last week. This kid has no fear. This is a kid that hit three home runs in the college, in the Little League World Series. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, since he's a young kid, has always been ready for the big stage. This will be the biggest one, especially north in the Mason Dixon line. But I've got a lean towards Georgia. Okay, I like that. A lean, a clear lean. All right, Brad, so you had mentioned the idea of the quarterback and, and the valuation on it. Now, Florida State doesn't have a big game this week, right? But you adjusted their quarterback absence by six points. Is that right? Six points, and the markets might have done it by more because my power ratings are still off on that game, four or five points. And that's and the only one that is. And what's that, RJ? Which Florida State? Who do they got this they're, week? They're playing UL Monroe. So uh, a see, I'm big proud, spread I'm there. proud I don't know that one. Yeah, <laughs> you're all right in that regard. And a big spread might have something to do with it. Could I make a suggestion? Yeah. Could it be they expected the backup to play? So think about this. So if you have the starter, and you have the backup, and you're playing a tough team, and then in scenario B, the starter's out and you're playing the backup, but then in scenario C, you're playing a pushover. The difference between having the starter and the backup and just the backup seems to be if you know you're going to go to a second string quarterback, now you're going to the third. Could it be that in a huge blowout situation, not having the backup uh, has even more of a factor than it would in a competitive game? It could, but I also could argue that, hey, this guy doesn't and their backup quarterback doesn't have any significant experience. I got to think. I want to get him every snap. Maybe as he possible. plays every snap. I would, which would make it where you wouldn't think the line would move as much. And how much did the line move? Well, I mean, it hasn't moved much right now. It's moved only about a point up in Florida State's favor, uh, but it's still. Well, when I, you were saying the market saying more, what were you going? Well, about? I'm saying the downgrade was more on Francois being out. I downgraded Florida State six points. It looks like the market's downgraded him maybe ten points. And and would how are you getting to that ten? Uh, because the only game I have that's more than four points off this week for my power ratings okay. is the Florida State so, game. So you're saying it hasn't been that there's been a line move. It's just with the opener that came out with the knowledge that Florida State's quarterback was out is drastically off from your power rating. Yes. And it's saying that, that the market thinks Florida State is worse than you thought. Absolutely. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so last thing on this game, force lean from you, Brad? Uh, not a force lean. Uh, betted at six and a half. There was an overreaction to... Jacob Eason being down, I think the market agreed with me because now the line came down to like four, four and a half. I would still have a clear preference on the Georgia Bulldogs plus the points. That sounds official. A clear. That's yeah, a guy that loves Notre Dame too. I always trust a guy that goes against his team in certain aspects. 
You know, especially when he's... I agree with you there. Because he, remember in his power ratings, he had them moved up at the beginning of the year. One of the, That was his team that he readjusted and moved up as far as power ratings. So for him to go against them in week two shows me he feels strong on Georgia. I agree. Good stuff. That's Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. I'm RJ Bell. Let's keep moving, baby. We've got... Ooh, this is fascinating. Nebraska, Oregon. You mentioned, Brad... When we were talking with Colin Cowherd in our college football preview podcast that he does, it's called the Saturday pod. By the way, I'll be on the Saturday pod this week, breaking down, critiquing, let's be honest, sneering at some of Colin's picks. I don't sneer. That might be a little strong, but you sneer. I am pretty aggressive. No, you sneer. I I owe him the truth. I owe, (laughs) I owe the nation the truth. Oregon in this trend you came up with pretty amazing. They had 13 straight years where they were profitable against the Vegas number. So for 13 straight years, you could bet them blind and every year make money, not in aggregate over 13. Obviously, yes, in aggregate over 13, but not only that, but each individual year never had a losing year. Well, except last year. What happened there? Well, what happened was a lot of things. You're starting a true freshman quarterback. But but the line should account for all that. What was the ATS record for Oregon? I believe three and nine against the number. I think it's so, about what this, you meant. So, so thirteen straight winners, big drastic letdown. What are you seeing for the program this year in general, Oregon? And let's talk about this game. I'm seeing a lot of positive things. The arrows are pointing up on multiple levels. Number one, upgraded the coaching staff on all levels. Head coach upgrade, Willie Taggart taking over from Mark Helfrich. Offense coordinator is an upgrade. Getting Cristobal from Alabama, who is an offensive line coach, great recruiter. And then a major upgrade, defensive coordinator spot. Jim Levitt did a great job at Colorado. He's now the new defensive coordinator. Former K-State guy. Went, yeah. Was at South Florida. And did good there. Excellent there, but he got caught up, and I had some insight into this, into the whole Mangino, that post. You know, it's all coming from the, uh, or many, if not all, coming from the Bill Snyder tree. And those guys were just too tough, you know, too cool for school. They were too tough. And, you know, as the culture changed a little bit, it didn't really work. But like you said, he was an elite. I would make the case he was a top 15 head coach. He was South Florida. Well, he did at one point have South Florida number two in the country in the AP poll at one point. So that, that's a pretty decent job. No doubt. So, Ken, your thoughts on this game? Well, you know, it's uh, Autzen Stadium, and now the fans are seeing that glimmer of hope to get back to the glory days. They're thinking Taggart could be that guy that Chip Kelly was, and they're beyond those uh, years of frustration. They blew a 13-point lead last year in Lincoln in the second half. They rallied back to get the lead and then lost on a late 34-yard run. 17 guys are back for Oregon from that team. I mean, they're going to look big time for revenge. Autzen Stadium will be jumping. Mike Riley, the coach of Nebraska, of course, coached at Oregon State all those years. So he's going to try and go in there and get the guys ready for Autzen Stadium's environment. But until you play there, you have no clue. This is an FBS team, not an FCS team. The folks in Eugene, they'll be partying. They'll be ready. And Oregon, I've got to lean towards Oregon. So clear lean. Clear lean. What about you? Can I do a total? Yeah, you know, that's fine. Let's see. Do we want to get – who's betting these totals? Let's say I'll give you one game a week that you can give me a total instead of a side. All right, and it'll be this one. I'm going over the total. It's going to be a high number, but Nebraska's adjusting to a brand-new defense. It's 3-4. They, they had major problems start, stopping Arkansas State last week. Oregon put a 70 spot up for the first time in a couple of years. I think you're going to see a very high-scoring game. I would not be a bit surprised Oregon gets into the 50s themselves. 
You know, I'm thinking I'm going to go two totals a week because these are all big TV games. So people are open to playing totals on TV games. So we'll go more value on them, RJ. Well, if you want better leans, you're right. But that's the paradox. And it's something that we need to be explicit about with the listeners. If you want to bet like a pro, it's not near as fun as betting like a Joe. Because Joes get to bet all the Monday night games. They get to bet parlays on this, that, the other. Tease. Oh, let's. I was just on with Adam Carolla. So that will be up right here. You know, part of the podcast one family, like the dream preview. And I'm doing 10 or 15 minutes a week with Adam Carolla. And oh, by the way, this week we recorded it today on Tuesday, released Wednesday. We spent 10 of those minutes talking about the Rocky movies. So not necessarily the deepest handicapping dive, but. We had some pretty. In- I got to be honest. I I I I I came up with some strong Rocky Balboa insight, and that's up on Adam's Pod on Wednesdays. And then obviously this College Dream preview comes out on Wednesdays also, and the NFL comes out on Thursdays. But what we're going to try to do is help you guys move towards betting like a pro, but understand that most of you are looking for fun. And here's the thing, Brad. If someone would win 49% of the time without you or Ken and 51% of the time with you, they're not going to win 51, but they're losing a lot less. You yes. know, they're not profitable at 51, but they're losing a lot less. We want you to be profitable, but if you don't want to do that work and have that discipline, at least we can help you have your recreational fun and it be less expensive. So whatever you want, we'll help. But if you want to go all the way, well... As I said in Apocalypse Now, don't get off the boat unless you're willing to go all the way. Next game, TCU at Arkansas, and we've got a quarterback named Hill, H-I-L-L. Is it Kenny Hill? Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill. 4-14. and 14. It's a big name. We know him. I even knew him. 4-14 and 14 against the spread his last 18 starts. Yeah, and a lot of the reason is buildup of those first four or five starts of his career. You even know about it at Texas A&M. Takes over even, for Johnny even Football. Even R.J. Bell knows yeah. about it, who is not a college football specialist is what he's saying, guys. From three years ago, a quarterback that had an elite first four or five games was in the top, the Heisman favorite. Since then, it's all been downhill. He's an inaccurate passer. He gets too much credit for his mobility. And when you have – you're the starting quarterback. Is it too much credit for his mobility or the – defenses in college football at the highest level have changed in a way that mobility is not as effective. He's not – well, it's a bad example comparing him to Lamar Jackson, but no one's Lamar Jackson. But he's not—he's average, a little bit above average mobility. But the perception was he was much better. Yes. He, he could be a playmaker with his legs like Johnny Manziel. He wasn't even jo- nearly as good as Johnny football, obviously, even running. And when you're the quarterback of a Gary Patterson coach team – and you're still 3-10 and 10 against the number, he might not necessarily be a great fit uh, and with 15 interceptions. Uh, in this game, it's a rematch from a thriller from last year. I got the home underdog here with the lean Arkansas plus the points. I'll take the team that uh, I think is a little bit more reliable in the power rush game. I think their defense is a little improved this year. Give me Arkansas. Clear lean on Arkansas from Brad Powers. Ken? 
You know, this is a tough game because uh, I like Austin Allen a lot, the quarterback for Arkansas. But TCU, when Gary Patterson has had a rough season, he rebounds mightily the following year. And he gets the best athletes. Gary Patterson's one of the few guys that will grab athletes and then find positions for them more so than any other coach in the country. I think TCU has serious revenge on their minds. They outgained Arkansas by 169 yards last year in that double overtime loss. I think they're going to be ready for the game. I understand it's home field advantage, Arkansas. I'm not sold that their running game's really that good with the loss of Raleigh Williams, who wasn't able to go because of the neck injury. I like Austin Allen, but he doesn't have the cast of characters as far as receiving-wise that he needs. I have a lean towards TCU. Claire Lane, TCU. A couple things. You guys might be saying, where's the best bets? Where's the best bets? Can you do any accents, Brian? No. All right. Is... Because, <laughs> you know, if you want to. Well, I can, it. but I don't want to embarrass myself. Guys, the only time there can be a best bet, the only time there can be a long term profitable play is if the line is wrong. And it has to be wrong enough to overcome lane minus 110. And listen, we love pregame.com, right? It's my, it's, it's something that I've spent the majority of my career building. And, and I personally think we've made really impressive and meaningful strides. And I think it's just the beginning, but you can enjoy other people's information or you can even say, Oh, RJ and Brad and Ken. Now they're number five on my list. I got four people. I love more. That's fine. Right. But if any of those people are telling you to bet a majority of games, and if any of those people are saying, even on their best bets, it's better than 56, 57%. Run the other way. There's tons of great info out there, but you can't bet every game and you can't think there's anything close to a short thing. There's not even a six out of 10. Use that as a guideline. Quick question, open question to the wise guy round table. I thought TCU against Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. What's that been now? Four years, maybe? Oh, more than that. It's been that more than 2010. Oh, wow. Jeez, time just keeps passing. I thought that, of course, I thought that was one of the most impressive, like a team. I don't even think they were in the Big 12 at that point. Mountain West. Goes in and out physicaled Wisconsin. And you mentioned it, Ken, is that this is a coach that, that recruits for athletes and figures it out later. It seems like TCU's been really up or like sometimes it feels like, oh, they're here. Because obviously it was them and what Baylor that almost made the playoffs the year Ohio State snuck in and, and won another national title, is it was a situation where it was like, wow, this team might be you know top 15 for the next 10 years. What's happening with this program that they can be so good and then drop off so much? What hurt them the last two years, injuries. And they don't have the ability, like in Alabama or Ohio State or like most teams in the country, to overcome significant injuries. And each of the last two years, they've been devastated uh, they were able to overcome it somewhat in 2015. They still won 11 games because they had Boykin at quarterback, and they could do that. But last year they didn't have great quarterback play, and you saw them take a drop because of the injuries. Agree on that, Ken? I do. I, I, and, again, I, it's a reputation factor with Gary Patterson that he knows. He was embarrassed last year with the performance of that team, and that team struggled to stop people defensively. And that's one strong suit that even when he struggled to score points at times and the quarterback situation has been a problem, when somebody like Boykin gets hurt, they still have always stood their own as far as defensively. Last year, not the case. And I think they rebound with a vengeance this year. couple games left here. 
and then we are going to the best bets. We got Pitt at Penn State. Penn State is covered 10 straight games against the spread. Flipping a coin 10 straight times, 1,028 to 1, I guess 4-1 against. So very unlikely, assuming the market is correct. Brad, let's start. What's What's allowing Penn State, a pedigreed program, they're not sneaking up on anyone, to exceed expectations so much? And it's not been a flip of the coin as far as them covering. They've averaged covers by 17 points per game. Uh, the, the difference being, I think, offensively, the, the light switch kicked on in the second half of the Ohio State game. It's full throttle with their new offense coordinator, Joe, Joe Moorhead, who I think has been the difference uh, of the team, and he was the first-year offense coordinator last year. There, there is no – I guess what the market's having trouble with, it was such a plotting offense for two and a half, three years, a team that was averaging 20 points per game. Now they're averaging 45, 50 points per game, and that's, it's been such an incredible – like almost like a, would you say Ken a light switch being turned on offensively uh, that the market just can't catch up. But I'm starting to see it now that the fact that they're laying three touchdowns against a team that beat them last year. I get the revenge factor that Penn State has. I get it's one of the games they've circled this year. But there isn't that big of a difference in one year's time to go from getting beat by a team and laying three touchdowns. At least in my opinion. So I do have a lean on Pittsburgh plus the points. So a lean, but not a clear preference. Not a clear preference. I'm scared. You know, here's a a little philosophy of mine. I don't like jumping in front of streaks like that. Yeah, on a streak, you win multiple times, only lose once. I know. I know, but (laughs) I hear you. But to me, I almost like to fade streaks if the market's accounting for it. That's the catch-22 with streaks. If the market's unaware of it, I love to play on them if I think there's any merit to them. But if the market is aware of it, it feels like they overreact most of the time. And with yes. a team covering and covering, that usually happens. Ken, your thoughts on the game? Well, again, it's a rivalry game. And anytime it's a rivalry game, these guys, a lot of times when they're in the same state, they know each other. And again, I agree with Brad uh, as far as you know, too big a line adjustment from last year to this year. And again, like I said, with USC and Penn State off that Rose Bowl performance, Yes, Penn State showed they have an offense, so they are going to go more uh, speed-wise. They're going to throw the ball more. They're not just going to rely on Barkley. They're going to open things up. They did that. It's easy to do that against a Terry Bowden-Akron team as opposed to a Pittsburgh team that is physical and really was in control in their game against Youngstown State, who is a very good FCS team, made it to the championship game last year. And, uh, again, they... They blew a 21 nothing lead, found a way to win it in overtime. I have a lean towards Pittsburgh as well. I think you know Penn State wins the game uh, to avenge the loss from last year, but I think the game's inside 15 points. Okay, good stuff. And refresh my memory. We've gone over so many. Have we done Cincinnati-Michigan yet? No, we have not. I, I thought we were supposed to because we got an inside-the-box score on this one. Colin Cowherd, uh, Brad, we'll start with you. He let his show on Tuesday and he was off on Monday. So it was his first show after the weekend with how good Michigan looked, how the score was deceiving. They looked even better. We talked about it on our Fox national show, by the way, Friday night, Saturday night on Fox. We'll talk Pacific time, 11 to 12 Pacific on Friday. So that's two to three Eastern. So if you're getting out of the bars and by the way, the podcast is up almost immediately. So anytime Saturday morning, you can check it out. On Sunday, Fox National, 330 stations nationwide. We need an extra hour. We start early, 10 to 12 
Pacific, 10 to midnight, and then 1 to 3. So if you're letting out of the bars, you're in good shape. Brad, back when you lived in Cleveland, that would have been applicable, is the idea we talked a good bit about Michigan looking even better than the score. Let's talk about the program, because I know they were one of the most talked about with their lack of experience coming in the season. Are you totally assuaged? Is your concern about the lack of experience totally assuaged, Brad Powers? Uh, for the most part, yes. If you're talking a... So pure- one game, you've, you're convinced. Well, I upgraded their power rating two points. And look, I just didn't look at the final score. I watched the game. And look, Florida was decimated. Ten players suspended. But the, the, the Florida was decimated in a way that you felt like only moved the line about a point, right? Exactly. So, so it can't be the reason it happened now? Well... I was just were you wrong qualifying about it. I might have been a little bit wrong that not having their starter running back and wide receiver already took a bad offense into an F. So that's my only cause pause. So what caused you? Because most people would have saw the number 10 and think, oh, my, this, this is they're decimated. What made you think before? Because that's what we try to do. When we are correct, we take our bows, baby. But when we're wrong, that's even more valuable, learning from the mistakes. What did you perhaps get wrong? Uh, I thought I would get a little bit better quarterback play from one of the three guys that was going to play for Florida. I mean, it's been well below average quarterback play, and you can't get any worse than what their offense has been at the end of each of the last two years. So I thought I would get something out of it. I obviously didn't. I think that, and again, I I love the way our guys, Brad and Ken, they look squarely in the eye when they're wrong. They only need to be right 55%, right? RJ, so, it's clear on it to me that nobody thought that Michigan's defense, despite Florida missing their starting running back and receiver, was going to be this good losing 10 starters. They came in. They shut Florida down big time. They controlled the line of scrimmage. We, are we confident it was the D instead of deficiencies I, I, on the offense? Well, I, I think it's a combination of both. But I think still that Brad probably looked at that Two starters, Scarlett and uh, Callaway, both being out for Florida in that first game and thinking they're still going to be able to move the ball. They've got three quality quarterbacks. They just didn't have the weapons, and Michigan didn't let them breathe. Michigan, you know, it was a good, solid effort on both sides of the ball by Michigan. But to me, when you lose nine, ten starters on defense and you come out and suffocate Florida like that and put the game over the total with that last touchdown sack in the end zone recover with a minute 30 to go. Uh, that one kind of glared out. No, I kind of, I had some buddies that did that oh, okay. uh, were very <laughs> upset, very upset with that. And I think that let's talk conceptually for a minute about injuries. We know about cluster injuries, which is multiple injuries at the same position, but there can be complementary injuries and maybe there's a better word because complementary sounds positive, but complementary troublesome injuries. It's almost like you sprain your ankle, right? Well, you're walking, but you're leaning on the other leg. Well, if you hurt your knee on the other leg, now you don't have anywhere to lean. So if you, your running back's hurt and your wide receiver's hurt, if both of those are significant, as in the backups are troublesome, now what do you do? Right? It's like offensive line. If your left tackle's out, you can put a tight end over there. But if the right tackle's out too, now what are you going to do? Right? You, can't, you can't kind of compensate for both sides. And perhaps that, watching the game, do you feel like that had part, and then without the quarterback stepping up? Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a key factor. In fact, I went from having a very strong bet on Florida because I thought the the wide receiver had been ruled out for weeks. So Mm -hmm. you had all fall camp to adjust. Mm -hmm. The running back being announced just a couple days before the game, that really impacted my handicap as far as having a combination of both those guys being out. Back to Michigan, though, if you just look at the final score, ah, they did all right, one by 16 what we said on the show overnight, on the national show, 
That had the makings of a 30-point victory for Michigan. Right, because two Florida touchdowns were by the defense. You know, interception returns. And that's why inside the box score, Michigan was even more impressive. Okay, guys, let's make a pick. Uh, I'm going to lay it with Michigan minus the points here. Harbaugh's proven that uh, he's not willing to give up. I mean, you look at 60-plus points against Hawaii, a 70 spot against Rutgers. So not so much give up, but rather take the foot off the gas. Take the foot off the let up is what I should have said. Sorry. I love how you just pounce on it. One one letter wrong, and you're pouncing. I like it, though. But I'm a stand-in for the audience. Yes, I love it. I listen to so many podcasts, and I'm always screaming at the podcast. So here I get to actually affect <laughs> the output. So uh, how big of a, uh, a play? Well, a lean at 34 and a half. I think Fickle, being an Ohio State guy, will have some pride playing a Michigan team. But Cincinnati had one of the worst performances secretly last week of any team in the country. They almost lost to Austin P, a team that had lost 27 straight what games. What was the line on that game? 47. So, oh my gosh, and what was the final? Well, they won by 12, but it was okay. very, no, it was very misleading. Like yes. they were outgained they by were Austin P. Yep. But but still, speaking of that, and we didn't mention it, and then we'll get to Ken's pick on the Michigan, then best bets, guys, is UNLV. You've probably heard about it. If you follow me on Twitter, it was my most retweeted. I had almost 4,000 retweets on Howard, plus 45, biggest upset in college football history after you or over, over UNLV. I was driving over to the Fox show, listening on the radio. I don't know if you guys heard it, and they're like, Guys, this was a di- the, the announcers were like, this was a disappointing result. It's like, really? I think you, you probably want to come up with a better adjective than that. RJ, let me ask you something. As far as five dimes that put up the uh, money, money line, could you have bet $100 on I know they, they put out a $25 ticket. That that someone did bet twenty five. Okay, so it was fifty five thousand. You would have got hundred. Hundred would have won you fifty five thousand. And they did the math on five dimes result with it were Liberty over Baylor money line. I did how, the math on how, this one. Did you do on the four teamer? No, I no. This is this a four teamer. Go ahead, go ahead, tell me. Okay, Liberty, Howard, Cal, and Maryland four team money line one hundred ninety seven million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, so the one even on the two games, you know, which would have been the Liberty and Howard would have been three point seven million or something uh, like you that. You know, I, I think four it was four point one. Four point yeah, something, yeah. That um and and I can look that up as we're getting the best bets. So Michigan, Florida, forced play. Uh oh, Michigan, Cincinnati. Michigan Florida. No, yeah. no. Oh, check that. I'm sorry. I had to yeah. I, I had thinking, to get you there. There you go. <laughs> hey, don't correct. Oh, wait. Cincinnati at Michigan. And, and you know what? Maybe Harbaugh gets bored because this is going to be such a mismatch. He doesn't seem to get bored. Well, especially, and you mentioned Fickle. Let's remember, Michigan lost and got screwed against Ohio State's defense last year on some shaky markings of the ball in Columbus, although RJ will tell us they were legit. But you know that Harbaugh will take a lot of pride in watching Fickle get buried in his debut there with Cincinnati against an F- another FBS team. But you I know think, what that I think Michigan me. wins by 45, 50 points. So on the spectrum of smallest lean, lean. I'll lean. I'll lean. lean. I'll okay. lean. Um, here's the analogy I'll give. Imagine your big brother's away. And in this case, that's Ohio State. And your little brother's there. And your little brother... There's a guy on the block who wants to beat up your big brother, but he never can. Never. A lot of people in like fifth, sixth grade weren't even born the last time it happened. I'm not judging. I'm just stating facts. Is if you beat up on the little brother, what's the big brother going to do? Harbaugh might be scared to beat up on Fickle. 
because Big Brother's coming to town. Not a, not here's a, here here. Okay, and the analogy for that that's a great that's a great point. But I think Harbaugh feels that with his training and working out in the gym that he's going to be able to hold toe to toe with Urban Meyer in the next year or two once he One gets day. a new class One back. One day. I'm sure he will with the Brooklyn Dodgers, baby. 1955. 1955. <laughs> Brooklyn Dodgers. That was my dad's team. Oh, my God. <laughs> that reminds me of Entourage. One time drama goes, uh, I met him working on Barfly, which was made like in 82 or something. And, and then... <laughs> Ari goes, how old are you, Drum? Wow. <laughs> Unbarfa. I actually love that. Wait, movie. here's the classic, though, real quick, because you talked about sports phone, calling on the sports phones. My dad, when I was about 16 years old, came in my room, and you talk about making it rain. He threw all these thing, pieces of paper of an AT&T bill. The bill was $247, all 10-cent calls, all to sports phone. And my dad goes, here's a call. At 7.47 p.m., and here's another call right after it at 7.47 p.m. How is that physically possible? <laughs> it's because the tape cut off, and, and you see four, what? And I had the call right back, so I was like, unbelievable for us I, old school folks and no sports phones. After the first, you know, I grew up in the late 80s, is after the first phone bill came, when I found the free pig phones, I had to go up to convenient and put quarters in the outdoor machine, even in the, the outdoor phone, even in the wintertime. By the way, that was $4.1 million if you were to bet $100 on Howard and Liberty. Obviously, only in dreams, as I said on the Dream Preview. Speaking of that, this is college, obviously. NFL comes out Thursday. And if you want to follow these guys, follow me on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Follow Brad on Twitter, at BradPower7. Tons of great content. We mentioned it last week. For Ken, Ken is Sports X Radio. You can check that out, sportsxradio.com. He does a great show, 50,000 watts every night, 7P to 9P, Monday through Friday right here in Las Vegas. But it reaches, what, like like 60 states? No, it's, it, it, no it, it hits 12 states on the <laughs> West Coast. You know, it's a, there's only two 720s, one out of Chicago and one out of Vegas, and uh, they're grandfathered, so they don't have 50, to power 000, down. They, right, they don't have to power down at dusk when the rest of the stations do because they're grandfathered, so it kind of works out nice. Whenever I start plugging Ken, he just takes the mic and keeps going with it. Free app, KDWN, free app. Download it, Google Play or iTunes, baby. Don't make me edit it out, Ken. There you go. Best bet, Brad. Going way off the board, and keep in mind, for a lot of these, we're talking the big games. You're not going to get a lot of big game best bets from me unless the public narrative's off. How about Rutgers minus five over Eastern Michigan? I thought Rutgers looked legitimate last week against Washington, held their own for a majority of that game. Much improved year two under Chris Ash. Love the new quarterback, the new offensive coordinator. I look for him to take care of a MAC team uh, that didn't look that impressive against Charlotte last week. All right, so the best bet. So this is even beyond betting it. This is one you're making a big bet on is... Be explicit. All right. Yep. Best bet. Already bet it. Would still bet it at a dead number of five. Look for the line to move up possibly. And it's which team? And again, the only reason I'm asking yeah. to repeat is people listening, they perk up when they hear best bet. So you want to repeat it Rutgers. at the end. Rutgers is your play. Awesome. Rutgers. Rutgers. All right. Ken Toss. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with Wazoo. Wazoo got the early game against the Big Sky opponent out of the way. They buried Montana State. Luke Falk, the quarterback, only played one half. He was in total control, 33 of 39. This guy is a legit Heisman candidate. He's good enough to get it done against Boise State. Now, Boise State made a quarterback switch. 
uh, benching Rippon for Cozart near the end of the game, and Cozart looked good, but he won't look that good against Washington State, and their defense will never be able to stop, as far as I'm concerned, Falk and that offense, which is now a legit running game, a three-headed monster running the ball and throwing the ball. I think Wazoo wins by 20 points and avenges that blue turf loss by three last year. This Boise State team, very fortunate that they got a gift call against Troy when a ball was out of bounds, clearly out of bounds at the one-yard line, would have put Troy first and goal at the one. Instead, they called it out of the end zone touchback, totally changed that game. But this Boise State team is nothing like the teams of yesteryear. Great stuff. Great. That was a professional free pick there or a free best bat on Washington State. Brad, quickly, you've got a interesting trend on Boise Street. Boise State. Well, a couple of them. First off, this is their largest underdog role for them since 2001 at 10 and a, plus 10.5 points. And they've been favored, RJ, in 27 straight games. I like playing on teams in unique roles. I'll have to slightly disagree with Ken and take the points, but nothing major. Great stuff, guys. And we'll just make that bet right here. This way we don't have to pay the juice. Oh, and there, we'll be talking about I'll let you. I'll, I'll only let you guys can lay 102, and I'll, there you I'll, go. I'll, I'll book it. There you go. I'll, I'll be the escrow. Guys, more stuff like this next week coming out on Wednesday. And by the way, the NFL Dream Preview with Fezzik coming out on Thursday. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.